another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dera, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is your vital essence on the Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip. And I'm Jamie. And today we are going to talk about, of course, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance as we're continuing through, um, you know, recapping each episode of the show. I mean, as much as we can, because I know every time we talk about these episodes, there's so much that happens in each episode. And, And this is, I think, like, this one's a big one that there's a lot that goes on in this episode so we got plenty to talk about but of course you know so yeah so jamie i just want to know how how, how have you been going i've been well i've been well i've been busy you know uh it's now we're in the fall i know seasons are transitioning for you guys you guys just went through a uh time change didn't you yeah so i mean actually as we're recording today yeah there's a daylight saving so we went an hour forward now so you know which is all all fun and games now especially with time zones and stuff but the good thing actually because i mean I guess, I guess behind the scenes talk is i organize sort of interviews like through through facebook messenger and we do it through remind the reminders thing and actually the cool thing is even when there's um daylight savings that's going to happen you know say in a couple of days from now or a week you know when you're scheduling it all reflects on the same time so um it actually kind of works worked out all right Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, I mean, we're sort of, you know, slowly approaching. Uh, I mean, it's a bit up and down at the moment. You know, some days are cold, some days are hot, but that's sort of, that is very Melbourne. And yeah, we're just a couple of months away from summer uh, coming in, in December. So it's just um, a bit up and down in weather, but yeah, not, not, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're getting cooler here. Well, certainly cooler for California. It's... Uh, been in the 50s uh, Fahrenheit uh, a few warm days but then we're going back down into cooler temperatures and of course this is you know lots of stuff going on in media a lot of shows happening uh, Mandalorian Rise of Skywalker's coming up just a lot of stuff dropping it's pretty exciting for sure oh yeah absolutely yeah I mean yeah th- like the rest of the year is gonna be um pretty pretty incredible and I mean not only with other th- franchises but also with dark crystal as well i mean there's gonna be a couple of those uh things like the making of dark crystal age resistance book and um i think a couple other books from from joe as well with the uh age resistance guide so yeah there's a plenty lot of content that's gonna come our way that is for sure so on this episode um ethan was unable to to make it to the show so i just wanted to let you all know about that so it's just gonna be us two for this episode but i'm sure we'll he'll come back for you know future episodes of um the trial by stone so i i guess you know we might as well talk about um you know episode four and i think one of the things i love about i i kind of love i think this is probably what like one of the funnest starts of the episode um and that's just because you know we're getting sort of like that long camera tracking shot 
going through the stone in the wood and and then you you know hear a bit a bit of hup singing which is like just just very cute and again i just love when the guards are sort of you know interrupt him and stopping and, and then he continues singing throughout <laughs> yeah this this episode four uh is one of my favorite episodes uh in the show for sure when I just remember just the opening and hearing that song from Hup and there's something about that song and I've gone on, I've talked about that song quite a bit and I feel like people don't really get why that song is, is so important, but there's something very, I don't know. Like a mysteriousness to it. Uh, yes. There's a mystique. There's a, uh, uh, a, a, the melody is absolutely gorgeous and I want that song. I almost want like a, a version of that song, someone to sing that song in Podling um, to release as a track. I think that would be great, but just the opening of it, the entire, like you're in stone in the wood, it's dark. You hear this, you hear this singing um, from Hup. It's just absolutely amazing. And there's so much in the episode in terms of, introductions and mystery and where's Rianne and what's happening. I just love it. And I've been experiencing some burnout of the show. Uh, I know, I know you and I've been yeah. talking about this and uh, I actually got gifted a present <laughs> the other day yeah. or yesterday. And it is uh, the making of uh, the making of age of resistance. And I think uh, Ethan got his, and I believe Phil will probably get his yes, in the yeah. next few days, but I, I opened the book and I was flipping through it and, I was like, okay, burnout's over. I'm yeah. <laughs> excited again. Um, and But really, like this episode is everything that I love about the Dark Crystal in terms of where they are in the forest, in Stone in the Wood. And yeah, there's just so much going on. Just Agra and uh, kind of a further reintroduction to who she is and what's going on with her. Uh, it's just, it's the whole episode is just shrouded in mystery and i love it i mean because you got like the first episode that sort of introduced a lot of things but i felt like this episode introduced so much more in in a way i guess i guess more with the individual characters coming into the show and um you know from to come in episode four it was just like wow you know so many characters that that pop in which would we'll definitely um talk about and also i think what was unique about um this episode as well is um the title card um, you had the, f- the the flames going through the logo and, and the logo was actually sort of burning up, which is sort of, I think the only times where the, um, uh, that the logo had any interaction, you know, with, you know, like with fire or, you know, so I thought, yeah, that was like really kind of interesting just to sort of add, add a little bit of something to this episode. Again, just the mystery and the darkness, like really the dark crystal. When I think about the original film, I just... And because we know so little about the original or about the world when we meet it in the original film, episode four really continues that like motif of like just mystery. And where is this? Where are we? What's going on? Who are these these creatures? It's it's amazing. Yeah, this is incredible. And again, I know you like you mentioned, it's like our love is someone made a... Um, you know, ha- you know, had the lyrics to the song. I mean, actually, I'm, I'm just like watching the show and you do get a bit of um, uh, the lyrics to his song, like with the subtitles. So, uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I know there's been a lot of requests for a lot of people that want Joe to, it's like, oh, can you release the, the translation of all the puddling language or even just all the puddling language probably through the whole show, you know, of what Hup's saying and yeah. And, and just the singing, like, 
it's just pretty amazing. And even like the start of the scene where we see um, Deet flying around, you know, being the monster, that sort of thing. And, and she helps um, uh, Harper, you know, escape. And again, I just love when um, the moment where like he, he, his eyes just widen, you know, once he notices that it's Deet, he's like, ah, Deet. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And then she's glowing, and I love the that moment when she's looking down on him from the top of the of the, and so she's got all that moss in her hair and on her ears, and she's glowing. She's just beautiful. It's just a a perfect moment. I mean, in a series of perfect moments, and a masterpiece of a of a show. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it just, there's just so much. Again, like I I know I keep saying it, but it just so much happens like in this episode. And I feel like we might as well maybe go through like all the introductions in each, you know, in each episode. Like I know the first one that sort of comes to mind is a law, which I thought that that was sort of an interesting sort of journey that Bria was going, you know, trying to figure out like how to, um, that she originally thought that she had to unlock things by the highest to the lowest clans to activate something. But in the end, it was sort of like, well, you know, all the clans are one so it's like when she realizes that the puzzle was a lie then she let you know drops the leaves the activator in the center which sort of pretty much causes the puzzle to sort of work because that's putting that piece in the center was what makes everything is one and then you see our uh, law appearing that was the thing like even i think when we saw like her promotional stuff and we saw this character law and i thought oh you know he's just gonna have a very small role but I was surprised like how big of a role, um, you know, the character actually has. And I have to say, like, originally, I think when we heard Law for the first time, like, it it actually, it it didn't, it didn't occur to me that that was um, Andy, Adam uh, Sandberg, who was doing the voice of Law. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't realize. I I mean, I don't pay attention. You know, I I skip all of the... uh the credits and everything. And I'm just so involved in the show. I just go on to the next one. I had no idea that that was his voice. Yeah. I'm pretty, I know I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain it is because I know in the credits, they didn't credit him, which I mean, makes sense. Cause you don't have revealed, you know, who the voice of Laura is that, you know, if it's going to connect to a character in, in a later episode, but like when I first heard it, like I thought it was a very um, Yoda, Yoda ish sort of uh, not, not in terms of speaking backwards, but just the voice sounded very much like it, like a Yoda, and and I and I actually thought it was like um I actually thought it was like one of the um voice actors who worked on um uh Star Wars like the Clone Wars who voices Yoda I think uh, Tom Kane oh okay I actually th- I actually thought that that was him um when I heard when I when watching the episode for the first time I thought that was him so I think it didn't click to me yeah probably until the second viewing of the show them and then when I heard the voice I'm like ah oh, that's that's got to be the her- you know the voice of the heretic of Adam Sandberg. So I thought that was, that was kind of like a pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Moment with, uh, with law being introduced. And again, just the puppetry, like behind law is um, just very interesting. Cause I think they really um, used, you know, I think the, I think the puppetry term is uh backruka, I think where it's like, you have the puppeteers that are operating, you know, they're in their blue suits, but they're like operating him from the outside. And also you have a bit of that combination, well, so with some shots with a bit of um, CGI as well. So, yeah, such a very, very interesting character, just the way with the rocks and, yeah, but so believable at the same time. It's, yeah, pretty, 
just a very interesting character. Yes. Um, and that whole entire scene is shrouded in, again, so much mystery. How did those symbols get down there? You know, obviously later on in the show, we find out that the heretic and Ergo created lore, um, but lore and his, and his location is under the throne of the Vapor clan in the Vapor Palace or the Vaprin Palace. So how did it get there? You know, how long ago did, did they create this thing? How long have they been waiting for someone to discover him? I mean, so many questions. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it, it was almost a, a moment in the film. It reminded me of when the original film where Jen and Kira go to uh, Stone in the Wood, as we now know, and they find the, 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 the wall of destiny and they're looking at, and they're looking at all these symbols and they don't know what they mean. It's a very similar scene for Brea doing the same thing. Like she finds this place, she sees all these symbols and she doesn't understand what they mean. And she's a reader and she's, she's someone who likes to discover things and she is clueless as to what is going on. But I love that they made her drop her assumptions. She assumed that Vaprin were the highest clan and that, Groton are the lowest and that assumption was wrong because they are one together and then you also realize that the Vaprin clan and the Groton clan are very similar looking one's inverted one's not there's a couple of differences here or there but the main symbols for those for uh the the vapor and the uh, Groton the vapor and the Groton yeah they're the same they're just changed a little bit it's just a very great it's really smart writing Oh yeah, absolutely, and and this was something that was uh, mentioned, I think, in Joe's books in um, Song of the Dark Crystal, and um, it they, it actually sort of mentioned, I think, the Grottons were telling, I think, Am- it might have been Amory or one of the Grotton characters was telling, either to um, probably to Naya, I, c- I can't remember, you know, who it was to whom, but they were sort of telling about that in the past that those. There used to be one clan, like the the Vaprin and the Grotten. There used to be just one clan. I think they were called the Silver Sea Clan. And over time, so they had they had six sisters or six clans to start off with. And then, uh, what happened with what one of the sisters or this from the Silver Sea Clan that her responsibilities was the the dark and the light, you know, the the past and the future studies, or that that sort of thing. And it became too much of a burden, so that uh, what happened was she decided to split them up into two different clans, the Vaprin and the Grotten, to, you know, what we are during the events of the show. So, yeah, I, I thought, like, when I read that in song, I thought that was really interesting. And, and I thought maybe they might go into that with the show. So it's kind of cool that they sort of, you know, he maybe hinted at it a little bit. But, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, pretty cool. And I actually thought, um, probably not, I don't know if for the first time viewing it, but I actually thought that, Law was going to like turn into the wall, like he is the wall of destiny. Yes, yeah, yeah. He he could still be. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, whether like the shapes sort of you know change around. Because um, I mean, you just got your you know very lines and stuff. But whether yeah, like whether that might happen in season two. Whether he yeah, it, it would be very interesting if he actually becomes the wall of destiny. I think that would be um. Pretty cool, yeah. I think, I think that the Wall of Destiny, though, is going to form um, in a way that does not involve any mystics or um, skexis, or I think it's going to be Gelfling magic. It's going to be dream etching. I think 
the Gelflings. I don't know if it's going to be a mass dream fasting of all clans together or something like that. But it's go- I, I think it's going to, and just because based off of some of the characters that I know we've discussed, that I've discussed, sort of mysterious Gelfling, winged Gelfling males on, I think what's going to happen is a lot of Gelfling mythology is going to be involved. Uh, some, some characters that Gelfling clans and Maudras don't even realize exist are going to step forward and sort of help bring this prophecy to life yeah it, it'd definitely be very interesting to see um how it all turns around because i know and i think in um the mythology that i think it was described as sort of seven gelflings like one from each clan they have this sort of pretty much dream fasting which could actually end up being you know leading to be like its own dream space i think like the wall of destiny whether that i think it fell from the sky sort of thing like they etched it and then um the carving fell like the rocks sort of fell through the sky or i can't remember like on top of my head but yeah it's gonna be interesting how it'll, it'll all be formed for them so yeah it's just gonna be pretty interesting um that's for sure but yeah i mean like you know as we're going like through the characters i probably should rewind back and um you know with olga like when she's on her journey and she's trying to figure out what's happening and then she actually uh you know goes to the sanctuary tree and actually um meets up with um Irva the the archer so and i thought like um it it was actually cool to see because i mean that was the thing like i didn't know like we knew that we're going to meet up with the archer on the show so it was kind of cool to you know get some mystics on the show and the interactions between (laughs) the between the two you know when they meet up and and i'm just like watching the scene for example and i just love like She's like, why make, why make me walk so far? You know, like, to bring you here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's just like, there's just so many like good, good lines um, from the show. And especially like, I think when she's talking about the stars and it goes something like, you know, like when the archer says, you know, why is Thra being quiet? It's like, well, because you turned your eye away from Thra and towards the stars and, um, so and, and she's like so many stars and goes on and on <laughs> and on like you and i yeah so on and on yeah that was a really wonderful moment just uh meeting uh erva um just the way he appears which is, is just his arrows first um and that even augra who she is is this is she's the heart of Thra and she's born of Thra, but even she doesn't know everything. And even there's a lot required of her. She has to listen. She has to figure out what's what's going on. She's lost her her sense of balance. She's lost her sense of of not just balance, but her center. And she's got to find that again. And I love that they have to show that. Oftentimes in stories, you see these the wizards or the sages or someone always sort of being that person and they're perfect and every word out of their mouth is perfect because that's their role, but they make Augra more flawed. And I love that. I love that about her. Yeah. Me me too. It's like the fact that like she is pretty much been broken. I mean, ever since when the crystal got broken by the, by the Skeksis and, but also, I mean, you know, being in this dreamlike state sleep, you know, looking at the stars and, you know, probably been doing that for, I mean, we don't know how many years she's done it, but like, I'd have to presume it'd have to be at least like hundreds of trying that she's just been so far away from Thra to really know what's, what's been happening, you know, to her world. 
and instead just focusing too much on on the outside that now she's got to like focus on the inside like her world to sort of try and do her best to make things right and i just love like yeah when when the <laughs> when the archer just you know he puts the arrow and ends up just hitting ground and Olga's like you know you know she's like oh you know oh, of course thry will teach and She's like, could have just said this clearly without all the walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think another favorite scene of mine in the show or progression is when obviously Rianne is on the run and he is in the forest and it's dark and it's moody and it's sun sunset and or sunset. Yeah, it's sunset and he comes upon the podling village and it's the same podling village from the original film it's the same interior from the original film and then under the tree like under like in the bark of the tree or in the hollow of the tree you see um naya and kylan cloaked and they're after him and it's just amazing it's pure magic now i want to watch episode four again just to see it all um, yeah <laughs> but and and them going into his his going him going into the the village or 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 the hovel or the whatever it is that the podlings live in and the sort of it's like a circular entry just that and the lights that are hanging and he's encaptured by wonder like where am i it's just amazing like it's amazing like it's it's one of my favorite moments in the whole entire show yeah i mean the podlings are just so cheerful and it's just it it's it's kind of just fun just you know seeing them like playing the instruments and um i guess that's the thing like for the show like they're able to like spend a lot more time like you know we get to see more you know them dancing and and just just being the silly little podlings that they are and even just like watching them like drinking is just pretty pretty hilarious um because i'm just i'm just watching it now i'm just like seeing seeing at least shots and yeah, they, they really do have a, have a lot of fun. That was the thing. Like, it is actually cool that it is sort of pretty much the same sort of hovel, like, from 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 the original film. I thought that was, a, like, a pretty neat sort of addition. And because, I mean, that was the thing. Like, there was that scene where um, Rian sort of gets a drink. The Pauline's like, you know, oh, you got it from the, the lady. And um, I know a lot of people are speculating about whether that is actually um, a, a Kira's uh, adopted mother, um, Yidra. Yeah, I, I it seems to be. It looks like her. It looks like a, a little bit younger version of her. Um yeah, and she's sort of making eyes at Rianne, which I think is hilarious. Um and of course the podlings are are captured in Mary in Mary's song and doing what podlings love to do, which is apparently get drunk and party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it's uh it's a, an, again another interesting reveal, sort of a connection to uh and the the end of the story which is of course with jen and kira um but yeah but again just the mood and the mystery and then of course he's met by uh naya and kylan and then eventually tavra and then eventually his father um and they're all sort of at odds with each other it's really really a, a fantastic moment you know to the point where you know they'll, they'll all dream fast seeing that kylan he goes you know he's like i'm i'll I'll dream fast with you, you know, the Skeksis may rule the land, but they do not rule uh, my heart. And then I guess like from there, everyone's like, all right, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll join along. We'll, you know, uh, see your story essentially. And yeah, I mean, it was actually interesting. Like, yeah, when, when, um, Auden sort of appears and also sort of joins in on the dream fast, 
something I might have to get Ethan to talk a little bit about for the next sort of probably the episode five recap. But I know he had a lot to say about the consenting of dream fasting because it's sort of like Auden, he just sort of joins in with the dream fast without Rian knowing. And it's just something that he was sort of, yeah, I, I think it was just an interesting topic about whether with dream fasting, you really need to have permission, you know, consent to dream fast or whether, yeah, it's, it's another interesting sort of topic that, yeah, sort of came to my mind about dream fasting. Yeah. Or maybe because Orden is, is, um, Rian's father, if there's already a, he doesn't need permission because they already share blood. Like it's like his bloodline, bloodline connection to Rian gives him permission perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and actually I think with the books as well that, um, I think Naya and Tavra, they dream fasted, but they actually did it accidentally. I think it is something that there's, I don't think there's like a dream fasting that can be like, Oh, dream fasting denied sort of thing. Um, just, yeah, just made me thought about that. So, but yeah, I think it makes sense. Like, you know, if they're connected, then, you know, then that's all, all fine, that sort of thing. But yeah, it was just another thing. I think he, yeah, I know Ethan mentioned about it. So I definitely love to hear his thoughts. Um, I think, you know, for the next episode of the show, that's for sure. But yeah, just, just again, like so much happens like in this episode and especially like being introduced to um, uh, one of the Skeksis, of course, um, the hunter, uh, Skekmal. The hunter. I just love when the Chamberlain, you know, he's getting out his horn to to blow the horn to get Skekmal to return, and all the Skeksis they're just like freaking out, and and I I mean I actually like the the design of um Skekmal. I thought he turned out really great, like very intimidating, especially when you get introduced to him to you know for the first time, and yeah, it was a really well designed and great character. Truly, yes, I would agree. I think he's a. a a really wonderful character, uh, very, very authentic to the world. I remember when uh, I first saw Skek Mall, which is actually when I was hanging out with Louis. Um, he, uh, actually, it wasn't just, I wasn't there with just Louis. It was Louis and Jeff were there um, while they were color grading this show. And Jeff looked at me and he was like, what do you think? Um, and to be honest with you, because it was more, a little bit more obvious that it was a man in a suit, just the movements of Skekmal, I was like, in my head, I was like, ah. and of course I was just getting to know these people. So I wasn't going to be critical. Like I have a real, like I have a real self, uh, uh, what do you call it? Inhibitor in terms of being critical. Like, especially these people work so hard on the show and here I am sort of at the end of their process and I'm not going to say, well, it doesn't work for me. Not that it wasn't working for me, but it was just more like it was jarring because it was more of a man. It was just a different looking Skeksy. But now post three viewings of the show, um, which I need, I need to start to show Skekmal works um, perfectly. He's just an amazing character. He's gone way too soon. Um, but, you know, there are so many other Skeksis out there with probably a lot of evil in them that we will see in a season two, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, I they just really did the character well. And I think because, I mean, with Skekmel, like, he's like the only Skeksis. So, I mean, he, he runs pretty smoothly and pretty fast as well, which I guess makes sense, you know, because of his character being the hunter that he's always you know, chasing things, um, where in this case, you know, he's hunting for Gelfling or with Rian in, in, in this case. So yeah, he does a lot of running and a lot of hunting, but yeah, I mean, uh, that was the thing. Like I, I was almost surprised with, because at the end of the episode, you know, we see 
him taking Auden down, you know, with all these, um, the gobbles and like, like just really shocked about with Auden, you know, dying like in, in the, at the end of the, at the end of the show. But also was like, oh my God, like they're actually going to kill Skekmal as well. Like they introduced him, you know, at the start of episode four, he, he's, he's gone within an episode, but, uh, Barnford, I mean, but luckily they didn't, well, so it depends, I guess, but luckily he did survive because it's like, you know, great to get to know more of, um, Skekmal throughout the show. So it was, um, yeah, it was such an interesting sort of yeah, development Yeah, with, with the character that I thought that, you know, I was kind of like a bit shocked that I'm like, oh, we might only get him for this one episode. But then those, those final, you know, minute or bit that he sort of comes back and manages to, to capture Rian. Yeah, that entire sequence with uh, his, his battle with Rian and his father, Orden, was very, uh, I mean, it was... You know, my heart was beating really fast. You just don't know what's going to happen. And it's just so beautifully staged. The sets, the, the the things on the ground that are, I can't remember what they're called, that are trying to get them, that if you step into them, it'll swallow you up. And then you have Deet and Hup trying to help as much as they can. But no one is any match for Skekmal. No one is. And then even when it felt like Skekmal had met his match with those things, he hadn't. And of course they kind of spit him back up cause they don't want him. But yeah, it's just really, I mean, the episode is just amazing and where we're going in terms of story, in terms of character, um, and just the themes that are also playing out in the show in terms of what we know is true as opposed to what is true. And sometimes those can be different things. Sometimes what we're taught to believe is true isn't actually true. That's just what we were taught. So we have to relearn, or like Yoda says, we have to um, unlearn what we have learned, you know? And uh, that's a lot of what that ep- this episode has. And even, you know, you have Orden who's, who's believed that his son is sick believe that even his son's dream fasting is infected and he's believed what these his masters the Skeksis have told him and so in his mind he's after his son who was sick and he listens to the Skeksis before he listens to his actual blood um again the show is operating on many many different levels in terms of our ties to family our ties to loyalty what is loyalty what is the truth how do we find the truth how do we know what's true and what isn't um and oftentimes the truth can be revealed to you and i think that happens every day in life where the the truth the objective truth can be revealed to someone and they cannot see it because they are unable to and i think that happens in this show a lot certainly with with characters like Celadon where she's dream fasting and she sees the truth and still she doesn't believe. And uh, I just love that they're dealing with that because it life is complex. Uh, you have to do a lot of your own searching and soul searching to figure out what is true and to find out sometimes the truth that's being peddled has an ulterior motive and sometimes that isn't the truth or it's just part of the truth. So that being said, this that's what makes this ep- partly what makes this episode so great. I mean, I mean, like like you said, like even with dream fasting, or you know, in the in the later show, like in episode five, when they're in the in that dream in that dream space, and um, yeah, like like the fact the fact that Celadon doesn't believe in any of that is, um, yeah, I mean, it is kind of shocking because you think dream fasting is sort of the end all be all, you know, of you know telling the truth, but but you know, for I guess you know, yeah, like for certain Gelflings that it's um, you know, they may not believe in that at all, and also, I mean, like. The, the other thing, like, 
I really thought about recently, like with the Gelflings and it, 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 like, especially with, with um, Rian is like, you know, of all the characters is like, you know, I, I love Deaton and Bria. I actually find myself like um, connecting to, to Rian uh, more and more. And I think I know why, because and I think it's probably the same reason that, uh, that I connect with Jen. I think it's because with, I mean, it's probably more with Gelflings in general that I connect to because it, it seems like with Gelflings, sometimes they, they, if they struggle to communicate, you know, that if they can't get their point across, then it's sort of like, you know, dream fast with me, you know, I'll, I'll really show you what I mean. And I think I sort of relate to that as like, like for myself, like, you know, ha- having a bit of autism, but also, you know, struggle like sometimes like socially, you know, we, we, we've communicating, you know, sometimes. And, um, and I feel like, you know, that I wish I was a girlfriend that had those, you know, sort of that dream, dream fasting skills, because I'm just like, that's, I can see um, a lot of people, you know, challenge in that way that they prefer to communicate in a visual way. That was just something that's sort of how I connected with the Gelflings about like from that aspect that, you know, being able to, to tell stories visually compared to like, you know, whether, you know, talking or, or even like, you know, reading the, the written, the written word, for example. Yeah. So that was just another sort of little thing that sort of just, just sort of thought about um, recently, like in regards to the Gelflings and I think how I sort of, in a way, yeah, connect connect to those sort of characters, and and more so with Rian, because I mean, with Rian, he's going through this traumatic stuff, and you know, he's trying to tell people, you know, this is what happened. They won't believe in him, won't believe in him. It's like, well, visualize with me, dream fast with me, as a way to try and you know connect to other Gelflings to sort of um, believe that story. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, you know, you you talk about uh, something that I really feel like is important, and I know I've talked about this here and there in terms of who I connect with. And I think initially I connected with Deet because I felt like she she looks different. She sort of she comes from two fathers, um, and when she's in the stone in the wood, people are looking at her like, "Who? You're Groton. I didn't even think you people existed anymore. And I sort of felt like, yes, that feels like me sort of looking for my place in the world. And I always, for me, characters are really important. You know, obviously characters are the most important. If you don't have a character in a film that people can, or a story that people can identify with, you don't have a film. Period. End of story. You don't have a film and you don't have a show. If you're, There are not a characters that you can invest in emotionally. And for me, that character has been Hup. And it was surprising because, you know, I saw Hup, you know, photos of Hup thinking, oh, funny, he looks high, he looks cute, whatever. But really, um, as the show went on, just realizing that, you know, uh, obviously to get personal because you did, um, like, you know, he Hup is a character who he wants more than what he's been given in the world and not in a greedy way, but just like he wants a better life. He wants a different life. And he sees this sort of different life out there in in. Uh, in Harar and that's where he wants to be and he doesn't know how to get it and you know very much I'm the same way and uh, sort of wanting you know uh, coming from very um, from being raised in a very different way and coming from a a life that's uh, just very different than you know 99% of the population in the world the way that I was raised and um, you feel feeling like you know um how do you get there? How do you do this? You don't know. And you sometimes you meet 
important people on the way who introduce themselves to you. And, uh, but Hup really, for me, especially I think, uh, his song in the beginning of season four, really like he, and that wasn't just his song for the song he was singing in the moment. It was the song he was singing for his life. Like he want, he has a song he wants to sing and he's desperate to sing it. Even in, in, in the prison, in prison cell and dungeon vile, um, uh, take I take that quote from a Shaker hymn called "How Can I Keep from Singing?" But Hup is really this character that I feel like is me. And you know, later on, of course, in a couple episodes later, he's uh, might even be the next episode. He finds himself um, he finds himself defeated and upset, and he doesn't know if he can do it. And he he finds himself a failure, and he starts weeping. And uh, I I remember seeing that scene for the first time, and. I started crying too, just at that scene. And just because it tells you how much stories mean to people and how really well written characters can touch your life. And that this this little character that's made of polystyrene with someone's hand up inside it and he's acting can touch me, this real actual living human being. Um, and make me feel like, no, Hup, that's me too. Your, 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 your journey is also my journey as well. And, uh, I, I just, and maybe it sounds sappy or whatever, but I really like, he makes that show for me. He is, he is me on that journey with the rest of them sort of out of his element. Like, okay, I'm sort of along for the ride. And, uh, yeah, uh, sorry to wax on that long, but, uh, it was, he's just, he really touched me and that, that the opening of, of episode four really just uh, won me over to who he is as a character. And then as you see him going along and being rescued by Deet and coming into his own and, uh, you know, the character building that he goes through, it's just really, really amazing. Yeah, just I guess like really from episode four, just really cemented it for you. No, no, which is incredible. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, like you said, like it is important to have characters that um you know even though you know they're not human characters but just in a way that we we as humans are able to relate to or sort of connect to to really you know get in into show into any shows in general whether whether puppets or whether it's featuring humans or creatures or that sort of thing yeah and i think that's that's one of the big things that really works well with the show is um like every character has its own sort of personality um, they're all very different. Like they're all not the same. It was something that could have happened with the Gelflings. You could have had the Gelflings that could have been just a bunch of, you know, Jen and Kira's, that sort of thing. Um, but they didn't do that, which is, and which is great. Like it just makes all the Gelfling characters, you know, they have their own traits, uh, own personalities. And I think that's what like really works well with the show. And I mean, and I guess like one of my favorite little moments that I was like, you know, from, from the show is, I think when Skeksart, the Emperor, was um, meeting up with Skektek and Skeksart was like, you know, how, ma- how many um, how many Gelflings do we need to survive? And it seems like um, uh, Skektek just sort of came up with a random number, um, you know, 50, 50 Gelflings for every trine. And um, I think I did get a little bit of Ethan Erskar at that, at that point because I was actually trying to calculate, you know, if there is actually a legitimate sort of like... Um, uh, thinking bit behind, you know, having 50 gelf- gelflings for each trine. And the, the only, the only thing I could really think of was that because there's 16 gelflings out there 
and which pretty much equates to if they get three bottles of essence uh like per trine um that's 48 and then you got probably like the the two remaining that can be like they're like the emergencies sort of supply i still had a bit of fun like trying to figure that out and i guess like i love sort of how he's just um you know at the end of that scene where he's just like caring for um for that little creature like towards the end of the scene as you know as that creature was about to possibly die like for, <laughs> through um the emperor yes that's a moment uh, in the show and for a skexis that's that's it's surprising because we know skexis as being debaucherous and greedy and um villainous and not tender and not caring and so you have this moment from the Skeksis that he's very tender with this thing. And I, I liked it. I liked that it showed a Skeksis with more than just being more than just one thing. And it shows that I think the Skeksis have a choice. They can fight against their nature or they can let it consume them. I think eventually what happens obviously is most of it consumes them. Um, but again, just a little moment, a window into what could be possible. And of course, as later on, as we are introduced to the heretic, um, we realize that Skeksis have a choice and that they can make a choice to either do good or do bad. And uh, the heretic has made that choice. Um, but I, I loved seeing elements of goodness in Skektek at that moment. I guess the irony is that he, that Skektek in the film, you know, he ends up getting killed pretty much by all the, the animals, you know, knowing that he was once, you know, looked after them or, you know, tried to look after them, you know, during his experimentations and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, again, you know, there's just so much that happens in this episode. I mean, I, I mean, I've almost sort of forgot talking about like the banquet scene that happens in this episode, which sort of, you know, very much mirrors sort of, you know, the banquet from the original dark crystal film, just seeing again, just seeing the Skeksis eating and drinking and just talking and just, oh, just being just very horrible, vile creatures, you know, the way that, they're eating the food or probably the growth. Like I was just saying the little pod laying, he's just like, <laughs> he just gets whacked by one of the Skeksis and, or like with Skeklak where like her, um, like her nose, like, you know, just the, um, her boob, you know, boogers just drop dropping out of her nose and just lands on the food. It's just like, ah, oh, like so disgusting, but it's, but it's so dark crystal <laughs> at the end of it all. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, so I think we'll have to wrap wrap up for this episode of Trial by Stone uh, with episode four. Um, but again, like like I say all the time, there's always so much that happens in these episodes, and I'm sure like we'll definitely be revisiting these shows for many many years to come. So just got so much to look forward to, and um, yeah, again, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, it was it's been fun. There's so much to unpack in these on these episodes. I feel like we could probably talk about episode four for forever. Um, but yeah, it was great to be on. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. 
Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.